Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com. The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Todd and Oz. It is 5.33 here on the Thursday edition of the Todd and Oz Show. So glad you chose to join us at 512-836-0590. We begin with the big stories. The Senate has failed to pass a supplemental spending agreement that included aid for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, as well as border security and immigration package that drew some widespread opposition from Republicans in both chambers as it was released uh, this past Sunday. Reporter Linda Kenyon has the very latest. The yeas are 49, the nays are 50, three-fifths of the senators duly chosen and sworn not having voted in the affirmative. The motion is not agreed to. And with that, it was back to the drawing board, as the bill didn't even have enough votes to begin debate. The bill was crafted by a small group of senators, including Republican James Langford, who said the measure would break a logjam over border security that has existed for years. It's been three decades since we've passed anything to a law to be able to change border security. Democrat Kirsten Sinema was also part of the negotiating team. She was frustrated by the outcome of the vote. Less than 24 hours after we released the bill, my Republican colleagues changed their minds. Turns out they want all talk and no action. The Senate's top Republican, Senator Mitch McConnell, initially supported the border bill until he didn't. We had a very robust discussion about whether or not this product could ever become law. And it's been made pretty clear to us uh, by the speaker that it will not become law. In addition to border security, the bill also included foreign aid for Ukraine, Israel, and the Indo-Pacific. But after it failed to advance, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer proposed a different bill, one without the border component. For all those Republicans who said, well, who first said, well, we want it with border and now say we want it without border, they got both options. Republican J.D. Vance posting on social media called both options bad ones. It's really the worst of all possible worlds. Send $61 billion to Ukraine while doing nothing to secure our own border and also give away all of our leverage to achieve real border security. While Democrat Mark Kelly told Fox News failing to fund Ukraine could lead to dire consequences. I don't know what's going to happen with Ukraine. I mean, Putin is going to run all the way up to the Poland Poland border eventually and put our NATO allies uh, in harm's way. We could have a, a larger war in Europe. At the same time, we would fail to support our allies in Israel. We would l- be less prepared in the Western Pacific. All the while, Ukraine has been pleading for more help from the U.S., conserving its firepower amid a relentless Russian assault. Linda Kenyon, Washington. The Supreme Court is expected to hear arguments regarding Colorado's ruling to keep the former president and the 2024 Republican presidential frontrunner, Donald Trump, 
off the ballot. This as the former president is expected to win Nevada's caucus later tonight. We get more from newsman John Stolness. Lawyers representing six Colorado residents are set to argue before the justices that Donald Trump's role in the January 6th riots at the Capitol amounted to insurrection, which should allow states like Colorado to kick him off their ballots. This follows a ruling by the state's high court a few months ago that found Trump incited the deadly riot at the Capitol in a speech just beforehand. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today we will see whether Republicans stand strong for integrity of our elections. David Sherman, chief counsel for Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, says a win for Colorado would mean the justices believe Trump did engage in insurrection and should be prevented from taking office. He would not be on enough ballots to uh, to mathematically prevail. However, a vote in favor of Trump would negate similar rulings by courts in Maine and other states. Trump has attended previous hearings in New York regarding his businesses, but he's not expected to attend oral arguments later today. People like Rick Hall from Ohio began lining up yesterday to get a seat inside the courtroom. It kind of puts ideologically the justices in strange positions. Democratic Senator Dick Durbin, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, says Justice Clarence Thomas should recuse himself from today's hearing. His wife, Virginia, is a conservative activist who sent multiple text messages to Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows in the days following the election, urging them to fight the results. I'm afraid Justice Thomas, through his family, has crossed that line, and he should recuse himself so there's no question of bias in his decision. The insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment was passed in 1868, originally created to keep former Confederate officials from holding office. The Supreme Court said they will try to rule quickly, likely weeks from now rather than months after today's arguments. John Stolness, Washington. Meanwhile, the former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, 2024 Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley, faced no major challengers Tuesday in Nevada's presidential primary, but she still lost. Democracy 24. Former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley responding on the Fox Business Network to losing by more than 30 points to the none of these candidates option in the Nevada primary. Our focus is on South Carolina, going into Michigan, going into Super 2, Tuesday, those are the places that we're worried about. We're not focused on them. Right, we never were. Haley stayed out of Nevada, accusing the state GOP of rigging the system to favor former President Donald Trump. Trump was not on Tuesday's ballot and will be the only major candidate in the GOP caucus where delegates are awarded. The two contests are a result of a law state Democrats passed in 2021, which switched Nevada from caucuses to primaries to allow mail-in and early voting. The Nevada GOP opposed it, opting to hold its own party-run caucus with in-person voting that requires voter ID. Trump supporters said they plan to vote in the primary for none of these candidates to deny Haley a symbolic victory. Alicia Cunha, Fox News. It is 5.38. A militia commander blamed for attacks on American forces in the Middle East has been killed in a drone strike. Here's reporter Sagar Magani. U.S. officials suspect Qatab Hezbollah led an attack in Jordan late last month that killed three American troops. Today, two officials said a U.S. strike targeted a senior militia commander in Baghdad, and two officials with Iranian-backed militias say the strike killed Qatab Hezbollah's top operations commander for Syria. But we will take all necessary actions to defend the United States, our interests, and our people. We'll respond when we choose 
where we choose and how we choose. The strike comes days after the U.S. attacked dozens of sites in Iraq and Syria used by Iranian-backed militias and Tehran's Revolutionary Guard. Sagar Magani, Washington. It is 539. Despite the many millions of dollars spent by the city of Austin on the homeless crisis, well, the problem continues to get worse. Interim city manager Jesus Garza says the amount of money spent since 2021 is staggering. We've allocated almost in excess of $200 million to this issue alone. At the, in that course of that time, the number of homeless have not decreased but in fact have increased. Recently, the city council approved spending $2 million in contract money for a third-party firm to conduct a review of the city's homeless programs and services. However, because Travis County voted against contributing $400,000 towards that review, the city is now reconsidering that contract. And the city of Austin has set up the marshalling yard as an emergency homeless shelter last year. It's property near the airport that was previously used for storage purposes. Well, since then, the city has approved spending about $9 million on that facility's operations. Some nearly 600 people have stayed there. And about 15% since uh, have been kicked out for refusing to follow the rules. Another 5% were kicked out because of illegal activity, including violence. We don't take exits lightly. We, we really try everything to not exit clients. But violence of any form towards other clients or towards shelter staff or my staff is not tolerated. It's homeless strategy officer David Grace says fewer than a three dozen people who have left the shelter for many reasons have actually found permanent housing. He says about 200 people who left went to unknown destinations. A new apartment complex has opened up this week and what the city says will serve as a permanent supportive housing for people who are chronically homeless. It includes anyone who's been on the street for more than a year, uh, more uh, more than a year uninterrupted. Uh, Joe Catherine Quinn is with Caritas and spoke with KXAN about the new Asparo Rutland development. It'll have 171 fully furnished apartments. Our city really needs to galvanize around these kinds of projects and make sure that they that they're easier to do, that we can do them faster, and that we just um, have our eye on exactly uh, how much housing we need to build. The city of Austin's Housing and Finance Corporation approved $8.5 million for the acquisition and construction just a few years ago. Welcome back. 549 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Jump in at 512-836-0590. The pilots who fly fly uh, max jets for American Airlines, well, they're getting increasingly frustrated with so many problems that go along with those planes. First, there was the computer glitch in the MAX 8 jets that caused two overseas crashes. Then a door came off a MAX 9 because bolts were missing. 782, we just declared emergency. We needed to send down to 10,000. That from the site liveatc.net. Now we're hearing from the Allied Pilots Association that there's an even bigger concern with all the MAX jets that has to do with engines. Pilot Dennis Tager says there's an anti-icing heating system in the jet engines that has to manually be shut off on MAX jets after five minutes of use. And an airworthiness directive from the FAA says if it's not, the composite metal on the engine could fly apart. It's inducing a high point of, we'll call it error now, with catastrophic effect down to the point where it can threaten lives. Tager says the pilots want the FAA to crack down on Boeing. LP Phillips, TSN News. The next generation of drivers could be putting their lives and other fellow motorists at risk, according to a new study. 
This is House Call for Health. More than a third of Gen Zers surveyed think it's okay to drive under the influence of marijuana, more than any other age group, in a survey from the Colorado Department of Transportation. The study finds 37% of people ages 16 to 24 believe they can safely drive after smoking marijuana. One out of five Gen Z drivers also admitting to driving high within the last month. Sam Cole is the Colorado DOT's safety communications manager. They've got their whole lives ahead of them. The last thing they want is a DUI, and the last thing they want is to end up in jail and with $13,000 in fines and penalties. In 2020, more than 4,200 drivers between the ages of 16 and 24 got a DUI in Colorado. Of those tested, 62.5% tested positive for THC. CDOT now working with the DMV, driving schools, and dispensaries to educate young drivers. For more health news, go to foxnewshealth.com. House Call for Health, I'm Lisa Brady. Fox News. It is 5.51, and with a look at Thursday business, here's reporter Jessica Edinger. Wall Street opens this morning with the S&P 500 index just five points away from 5,000. Investors will be watching for that today. The index has gone up pretty high pretty fast and for investors who are worried that it's been pushed higher mostly by just the super six stocks, Apple, Alphabet, Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, Parent, Meta, and NVIDIA. Well, that's kind of true. Those are the stocks that are working right now. These are the best earnings growth stories in the market. Are they going up too fast? Perhaps. I wouldn't argue with that, but if that's your biggest quibble, that they're going up too fast and not, oh, these are terrible companies or, oh, earnings are falling apart. If that's your biggest quibble, then do yourself a favor. Take something off. Trim something. That's what I'm doing. Sell your least favorite stock. I did that yesterday. Ritholtz Wealth's Josh Brown on CNBC. The S&P 500 hit 4,000 almost three years ago in April of 2021. Disney reported quarterly results after the closing bell last night. It beat earnings estimates, increased its guidance as it slashed streaming losses at Disney+. Plus. It's also taking a major stake in the company that makes the video game Fortnite. We've entered into uh, a strategic relationship with Epic Games, the maker of Fortnite, uh, to not only invest in the company Epic, which took a minority stake, billion, $500 million investment, but we're also creating with them a huge uh, Disney universe uh, that will be for gaming and for play. Disney CEO Bob Iger on CNBC. He also said ESPN will launch its flagship direct-to-consumer service in the fall of 2025, looking for subscribers. Disney's ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers have teamed up for a new sports streaming super app service later this year. We're not sure how that's going to work yet with this ESPN announcement. But either way, get ready to pay up for the new super sports streamer. A bet that by pooling their resources in streaming, they can get the customer to pay a big price for sports year round. And that's the big question here. What is the price of this service? Because we don't know yet, and it's probably going to be pretty hefty. What, what do you say? My bet is in the 30 range, 30 to 40. It's going to be substantial. Puck founder Matt Bellany with CNBC's Joe Kernan. On today's watch list, we get earnings from Expedia, Pinterest, Hershey, Under Armour, Honda, Ralph Lawrence, to name a few. All right, that's reporter Jessica Edinger. It is 554 social media company Meta, Facebook. Well, they say certain fake political videos can stay on their platform with a few conditions. 
Fox on Tech. Fake political videos can stay on Meta's platforms for now. A video of President Biden found to be manipulated and deceptively edited had made the rounds across platforms like Facebook and Instagram, all part of the Meta empire of Mark Zuckerberg. The video tries to make an interaction between the president and his granddaughter into something sinister. But Meta says such videos won't be automatically removed going forward, especially if the video is political in nature. They did not mention the video of the president specifically. Instead, the company will use artificial intelligence to detect the artificial intelligence signs and signatures in the deepfake media content. And when it detects a video image or audio is phony, it will mark it as such. There's a strong push to regulate deepfake technology. This could be Meta's attempt to show it can regulate itself with Fox on Tech. I'm Evan Brown, Fox News. The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here on yeah. Todd and Oz. Uh-huh. Todd Jeffries, Patrick Osborne, and Vandy, our producer, of course. Wow. Yeah, you can jump in at 512-836-0590. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Todd and Oz Show. Goodness, we've got so much to get to this morning. Yeah, the uh, Supreme Court is set to convene today for oral arguments over whether President's former President Donald Trump is eligible for a second term in the White House. Well, this is a dispute that puts uh, the nine justices into some new legal territory that could have some sweeping impact on, uh, well, the 2024 race. Yeah. It's political bullshit. Yeah, we'll dive into that, too, and you can join us at 512-836-0590. Listen, um, don't take my word for it, uh, but the city of Austin's efforts to address this homeless problem have been an abysmal failure, a total failure, 100%. And in fact, everything the city of Austin has done has made the problem worse. Don't take my word for it. Here's your city manager. We've allocated almost in excess of $200 million to this issue alone. At the, in that course of that time, the number of homeless have not decreased, but in fact have increased. I don't know. It sounds like the definition of insanity, doesn't yeah, it? And, and that's just since 2021. Just, $200 million yeah, plus. Just since 2021. And they're still sitting on that bank account of $600 million. Yeah. So uh, we may have, we may have, uh, uh, you know, uh, the the city may have taken about a billion dollars so far in the past several years. If you think about it, you start adding it up. Yeah, recently the city council approved two million dollars in contract money for a third party firm to conduct a, kind of a, a review, if you will, if you will, of the city's efforts to right. uh, to solve this problem. However, Travis County has said no; they don't want to contribute four hundred thousand dollars to this review. So now the city's reconsidering that effort. Yeah, yeah, uh, the. the, the the county is not opposed to the review. The county is opposed to McKinsey and uh, the, the, this third party firm, McKinsey. Apparently, yeah. they, uh, they they have made some ethical, uh, questionable ethical decisions in the past, uh, working with uh, Purdue Pharma, groups like that, uh, with the opioid crisis. And uh, so Travis County says, look, we, we're happy to do this, just not with the people you've chosen. Yeah. So, like so now it's not Austin is reconsidering that agreement. It may be trying to find another firm to do this. They may. They may be looking to renegotiate something. They may just be looking for more supplement, you know, something else to supplement this decision they've already made. Yeah. Well, uh, listen. But, but I mean, clearly, uh, we've got a city manager here that's telling the truth about something. Well, listen, uh, and a texter pointed this out. If the city was serious about helping the homeless, they would make it illegal to set up camps. 
Mm. Oh, by the way, that is already against the law. That's State right. Law, right. It's <laughs> That's already right. against the law. Now, and, and, and the texture says they would also make uh, make it a no panhandling law, no loitering, no laying, no sleeping law. Well, that's already a city ordinance that you voted on. Yeah. How about they just enforce the current existing law? Yeah, you know, there are a lot of places, not just here in Austin, but all over the state, all over the country, where if you just enforced the existing law, right. things might change a little bit. Yeah. But but instead, we got to keep throwing money. And that is that is really our tried and, well, tried and failed yeah. uh, uh, solution here in Austin. We just, uh, we need more money. Yeah. Years ago, the, uh, the city of Austin spent some money to build what's called the marshalling yard. Yeah. And it was kind of a storage facility, if you will, a nice one for, uh, you know, events and, and, and things at the Austin Convention Center. Mm-hmm. It was part of that project. Well, now that has been turned into a homeless shelter. It's been used as a shelter many times before. Uh, it's a property that's near the airport. Uh, the city, uh, you know, has now, well, spent about $9 million on that facility mm-hmm. uh, to get it up and running to house about 600 people have stayed there. 600 people. How about that? Yeah. Not all at once, though. No. Not all at once. Not I at think once. they have a capacity cap of like 300. Well, they say about 15% uh, have since been kicked out for refusing to follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Another 5%, they've been kicked out because of illegal activity, including violence. Yeah, here's homeless strategy czar uh, David Gray. We don't take exits lightly. We, we really try everything to not exit clients. But violence of any form towards other clients or towards shelter staff or my staff is not tolerated. Yeah, yeah the homeless strategy czar there, David Gray, he says fewer than three dozen people who have left the shelter for any reasons have actually found permanent housing. Yeah. Less, than, less than three dozen. It's actually just just a notch over two dozen. 27 people. 27 people. Yes. To the tune of $9 million. That's right. That's right. But hey, at least they had a permanent dig for a while. Can somebody out there do the math? I'm I'm starting to think that a better option, and I know this is going to sound cold, but how about we just give each homeless person $50,000 in a one-way bus ticket? How about that? <laughs> you know, it'd be cheaper. As I was about to say, as, it, as absurd as it may sound, it, w- it probably would come out cheaper. It'd be cheaper. They would accept it. They would appreciate it. And it would solve our problem overnight. Uh, well, it, 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 things will look different. Certainly look, would look different very quickly. Yeah. I, I, you, you've got pe- people getting kicked out for violence. People getting kicked out for breaking the law. Uh, you've got 27 people that they know of that got permanent housing. You've got 190 of them mm. that, that left, and they have no idea where they went. They're just out in the ether somewhere. Sure. You know? Uh, the the city prides itself, allegedly, on, on you, you know all these homeless services and keeping tabs and transparency. They can't even keep tabs yeah, on less yeah. than 200 people staying at their emergency shelter. A couple of things the texter just pointed out is, is first, we need to start quit calling them clients. Agreed. Agreed. You're not client. Yeah. You're actually a drain on society is what you are. But that's that's And we're whole, trying to help you. you that's this whole left, left-wing thing. Yeah. You know, the, this whole thing of like, let's let's uh, sprinkle, you know, sugar on, on uh, you know, dung and call it candy. Yeah. And, and we'll call it something else, but you just take a bite. It's still dung, yeah. right? Uh, but, but, you know, they dress it up with all these fancy terms mm-hmm. and t- hey, to make we, themselves feel better, I we think. We also need to call, stop calling it a homeless crisis. Uh, being homeless is a symptom of their real problems. Their mental health, their drug addiction, their alcoholism. Mm. Uh, it's, that's, uh, yeah, homeless is, is not the problem. They still got the problem. 616 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Yeah, join us at 512-836-0590. Yeah, city manager Jesus Garza, the city manager of Austin, Texas. He's the guy in charge. Right? Yeah, pretty much. He's the guy in charge. 
Yeah. And, and, and the only reason he's able to say these things freely right now is because he doesn't want the job. He's ready to retire. He was yeah. already in retirement doing other things when uh, Mayor Kirk Watson brought him back. So he's, he's able to speak honestly about these issues. We've allocated almost in excess of $200 million to this issue alone. At the, in that course of that time, the number of homeless have not decreased but, in fact, have increased. Yeah. Total failure is what he's telling us. Mm. Uh, jump in at 512-836-0590. Uh, Jay is in Westlake this morning. Jay, good morning. Morning, guys. Yes, sir. Hey, I don't know if you guys know this, but San Francisco is the epicenter of the homeless crisis in America. Sure. About 10 years ago, the San Francisco Chronicle did an extremely exhaustive study of all the homelessness in the city with a questionnaire and feedback, etc. And the overwhelming majority of the responses from the homeless community were that they were not interested in being in the shelter because they didn't want to follow the rules. The rules being there was a curfew. You had to be off drugs. You had to be civilized towards staff and other, you know, patrons in the facility. In many cases, you couldn't have animals. They did not want to be there. Now, since then, the state of California has spent more than $20 billion, billion dollars. So, you yeah, know, every mayor that's come through San Francisco, including most prominently Gavin Newsom, has said he was going to clean up homelessness. It's been a miserable failure. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. The second point is, why on God's green earth is any county or government entity hiring McKinsey and Company? This is by far the most expensive consulting firm in the world. They charge upwards of $2,000 an hour for their Harvard-educated analysts to come in there and tell you what you already know. It's insane. Yeah, they, and you're right. To tell us what we already know. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and you're right, Jay. Uh, and, and, and to be honest, the way you describe the situation in San Francisco makes it even easier to solve this problem. Create the shelters who want to follow the rules and who really want to get off the streets. Yeah. And for those that don't want the shelter and don't want to follow the rules, tell them to hit the bricks. Sure. We're here offering you help. And if you don't want it, start Adios. walking. Bye-bye. You can go north or south on I-35. We don't care. Your choice, right? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it, it, we're continuing to focus on, on, on housing, giving them housing. In fact, we just opened up a, an apartment complex this week, the Sparrow Rutland, right? You know, permanent supportive housing, fully furnished, 171 units. Uh, he was talking about San Francisco, though. In the past 15, 16 years, the city of San Francisco, which has taken a very similar approach to what Austin's trying to do, has created more than 7,000 permanent housing units. Mm. Now, that's enough to house pretty much every a, every homeless person, at least at the beginning of the you know in the years a few years back, mm. um, but or, or I guess when they, when they started the effort to build their housing, and a lot of those are still just sitting completely empty because nobody wants them. Yeah. So you can't just force somebody to get off the street, give them a house, and say your problem is fixed. Housing first does not work. It no. never will work. It's never and the studies have shown it time and time again. Yeah. Yeah, but it does help create some sort of money laundering industrial yeah. complex to, to, to get a bunch of money, right? Gives a lot of people jobs. 621, jump in at 512-836-0590. And if David Gray, your homeless strategy officer, really wanted to accomplish something, he would try to work himself out of a job. Yeah. Right? Sure. 
Listen, the U.S. Supreme Court is expected to hear arguments regarding Colorado's ruling to keep the former presidents and the 2024 presidential frontrunner Donald Trump off the ballot. This says the former president is expected to uh, to win the Nevada caucus tonight. Here's reporter Brooke Singman. The Colorado Supreme Court has already declared former President Trump an ineligible presidential candidate, citing the January 6th Capitol riots. If the Supreme Court agrees, its ruling will be applied nationwide. But Trump's legal team says, quote, he is the presumptive Republican nominee and the leading candidate for president of the United States. The American people, not courts or election officials, should choose the next president of the United States. Also happening, Trump will likely sweep Nevada's GOP caucuses. Longshot candidate Ryan Binkley will also appear on the ballot, but the former president is expected to win all of the state's 26 delegates. All right, so the hearing is expected to get underway at, uh, well, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern time. Several other states are considering similar measures, mm-hmm. but are uh, kind of waiting for the Supreme Court decision here. There was a bill in Hawaii this week. Uh, I think it's Senate Bill 2392 over there in Hawaii. That uh, has advanced through, uh, I guess, it, uh, either their House or Senate, and it would boot Trump from the ballot, and it, and it narrowly advanced. So, I, you know, there's another state that's trying to do this. It's really kind of infuriating that you've got all these states that basically they're saying, you know what, we're, we're going to make the decision for, for these voters. We're yeah. not going to give these voters any opportunity to vote for the candidate that they that they choose. That does not smell like democracy at all, does it? It's certainly not a free system. Yeah. Well, this case before the high court known as Trump v. Anderson involves whether Trump is disqualified from holding the presidency again because of, uh, well, I guess things he said, uh, you know, uh, January the 6th and that, that, that beautiful speech, you know, ahead of, uh, you know, the riots that get out of hand. Where he said, are you going to go peacefully protest? Right. Yes, I do well, remember that. Yeah, oral arguments getting underway today. And, and apparently there's going to be a live audio stream of this as well. And, uh, and they've only allocated about 80 minutes uh, to go through the proceedings here. Jonathan Mitchell, uh, a Texas-based attorney, is arguing on behalf of Donald Trump. Jason Murray, who practices in Denver, is appearing uh, for six Colorado voters who challenge Trump's eligibility. The Colorado Solicitor General Shannon Stevenson uh, will also argue uh, for uh, Secretary of State Jenna Griswold on this issue. So, uh, yeah, jump in. What do you think of this? What kind of message would that send to the American people if the Supreme Court sides, I guess, with Colorado to uh, to keep him off the ballot? I mean, uh it's like you said, it's it's it would be the Supreme Court telling half the country, no, we don't trust you in voting. We've uh, that that would make the Supreme Court complicit in in rigging elections, basically. That is election interference. Yes, yeah, yeah. it truly is. And right? it would be complicit in that. Yes. Right. Absolutely. I, I can't even believe that we're we're discussing this. Uh, I mean this that's this is something that you you would hear other nations do. You know, uh, you, you try to you try to work with the courts to get your political opponent thrown in jail or or thrown off the ballot. Mm. That's not what Americans do. You know, I thought we were more civilized, but apparently not. Well, this battle rose, um, you know, out of the lawsuit that Colorado voters filed back in uh, fall, which uh, it invoked a rarely used provision of the constitutional amendment that was passed in 1868 that was designed to keep former Confederates from holding public office. Former Confederates, former Democrats. That's right. That's right. Democrats from the South, Good you point. Know, keeping them out of office. Well, I don't see any any former Confederates still walking around right now. I mean, I, I can't see, doesn't seem like that would apply to anybody. Anymore. Well, I don't know. That's what MSNBC is calling Trump followers this morning. Call, oh, right? Yeah, call them Confederates and traitors. 
Confederates. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, that's what uh, MSNBC has to say about you this morning. Uh, that's kind of uh, that's inflammatory. MSNBC, the communist uh, press corps, right? <laughs> Let's listen to some of this. Candidates' argument that this should be the voters should have the say and not the courts. Why are you standing with Confederates who betrayed this country? And this is what they're standing with: is the spirit of those Confederates, rather than the Americans who came together after a long and brutal civil war that was fought to keep the Union together, uh, and saw, clearly saw, a threat in ex-Confederates running for office, so much so that they amended the Constitution. To keep those Democrats out of office. (laughs) Those traitors. From running for office. That should send a message that our election system, our electoral system, can be used for nefarious purposes against the democracy itself. Oh, we know. We're seeing it as 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 people are trying to get Trump off ballots in different states. We we know that they're uh, can be used for nefarious purposes. Yeah. Listen, uh, what the what the the communist press there at MSNBC is doing is is they're trying to rile up something. They're trying to rile up, you know, agitators. Yeah. They're desperately looking for somebody on the right to do something that they can say is just like January the 6th. Sure. Don't take the baits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, and if you hear any of your left-leaning friends saying, why are you guys on the right talking about civil war? Well, we're not. Nobody no. on the right is. Just that communist MSNBC press corps. So, you know, each year it seems like there's a new term that, you know, the left throws out, you know, and it was, you know, it's fascist and then it was Nazi. And, uh, it, it, you know, it, now have we moved on? Is this going to be the new one? Uh, Confederate? Mm. Uh, you know, because none of these have, have really done the damage I think they were hoping. Yeah, oppressor, yeah. colonizer. Each year it's something new. So I guess this year Confederate is the word of the uh, uh, the, the progressive Democrat Party. All right. Let's, uh, let's squeeze in J.P. He's checking in from Pflugerville this morning with the 505 area code. Uh, I'm sorry, I got the wrong one here. Hang on a second, Kevin. Hang on a second here. Let's go to uh, JP. JP, where are you calling from? Where are you calling from? Pflugerville, but I moved Uh here from New Mexico several years ago. Gotcha, gotcha. What's on your mind? Well, you know, I think it's totally insane that they're, they're doing everything in their power to keep Trump off the ballot. Um, that tells you, you know, what what they want to do. They want to continue to throw this country in the toilet. And the joke of it is, no one's, you know, they want to talk about Confederate and all of this, but what they seem to forget, I mean, look at the problems at the border. Look at everything we have. And for them to sit there and look into the screen, uh, you know, of a camera and basically say, oh, there's no problem at the border. Are we surrounded by that many people that are absolutely crazy and cannot think for themselves? Yeah, don't believe what your eyes are seeing, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin, you there? Kevin, good morning. Hello, Kevin. Hello, how y'all doing? Hey, Great, Kevin. what's on your mind? Hey, uh, no, I think, uh, you know, Republicans, going back to McCain and Romney, we just can't be the nice guy that goes home alone, you know? We gotta play hardball and I think Trump has set the, the model about how you play hardball and you win. And, uh, but, uh, if we can't even impeach Mayorkas, mm. you know, we got big problems. We look back at 2022. 20, mm. We got to get serious or Joe Biden's going to be a, a two termer. Yeah, I hear what you're yeah. saying, man. Yeah. Obama yeah. will be a four termer. Make it mean. an Obama fourth term. <laughs> 
636 here on the Todd and I Show. Jump in at 512-836-0590. Gail and Charlie and the others, hang on just a second. I want to update folks on the search today for five U.S. Marines who went missing uh, in a helicopter crash in the California mountains. Uh, Fox reporter Carmen Roberts has some of the very latest. Weather permitting, search and rescue crews will comb the mountains east of San Diego using all-terrain vehicles, drones, and aircraft as they try to find five missing U.S. Marines. They disappeared Tuesday while flying back from Nevada during the historic storm that slammed California with heavy snow and record rain. Mm. Search teams located the Marines' heavy-lift helicopter, known as a Super Stallion, yesterday in Pine Valley. But treacherous conditions are making it difficult to reach the muddy, mountainous area. Mm. Carmen Roberts, Fox News. Yeah, the missing Marines based out of the Marine Corps Air Station in Miramar, San Diego. And uh, we do have more on that story. Uh, It's on our website at newsradioklbj.com. Listen, uh, Joe Biden, he uh, attended some sort of, uh, I guess, uh, a fundraiser last night or what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Joe Biden referred to the former presidents as a, quote, existential threat. Now, by definition, what does that mean? Is that does that mean Donald Trump is a, is a threat to our existence? We're going to die if Donald Trump is elected to office. Either that or the nation will. That sounds ridiculous, right? It is because because America is bigger than Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely, he's just right? a man. Well, the uh, the left continues to say that he's an existential threat, and I think that's dangerous rhetoric. Yeah, it was a fundraiser in New York City last night as anti-Israel protesters blocked Fifth Avenue outside the Metropolitan Museum of Arts. Uh, Joe Biden told business leaders during his first stop of the day, the Upper West Side, the home of Larry Linden, a former managing partner of Goldman Sachs. Uh, there is one existential threat. It's Donald Trump. I thought it was I thought it was climate change. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, he he said there's one existential threat that we face in the world. Oh, in the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I, I just don't. What an absurd thing to say. What a dangerous thing to very, say. Very, very. And and uh, uh, people listen to that. People listen to that. You know, I mean, if, if for years now, Democrats, Joe Biden, people just like him have have been getting behind podiums and having press conferences, calling Republicans. Names like racist and Nazis mm. and uh, existential threats, deplorable thing, you know, all, all kinds of things like that, and you, it, that riles up their base. Well, listen, the, the the mainstream media, the MSNBCs, the Joe Bidens of the world are doing everything they can to incite some sort of civil war. They're trying to incite the far right, and with these words of being, Trump being an existential threat, they're trying to rile up the extreme left. I think they're, they're, I mean, they're doing a pretty good job with that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Charlie, good morning. I thought he was going to be the uniter. <laughs> Charlie, good, good morning. morning. Good morning. Yes, sir. Yeah. The, you know, what's amazing is is the uh, the hypocrisy of the left over this, uh, keeping Trump off the ballot. The Democrats are the ones who are always whining about disenfranchisement. No, you know, no voter ID. No, we don't want to disenfranchise anybody. But, you know, if the Supreme Court keeps Trump off the ballot in, in, in Colorado and possibly other states. Look at all the millions of people who will be disenfranchised then, but do they care? They no. do not. No, they do not. No, they do not. They do not. No. That's a good point, Charlie. Yeah, the hypocrisy is deep, man. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you always know that when that side of the aisle is screaming about something that the right did, mm. they did it first. Check this out. There's a new apartment complex that's opened up this week. Uh, the city of Austin is very excited. They say it'll serve uh, as permanent supportive housing for people who have been chronically homeless. I guess that would be anybody that's been on the streets for more than a year yeah. uninterrupted. Correct. Uh, Joe Catherine Quinn is with Caritas of Austin. They spoke with KXAN, and it's the new Esparo Rutland development. They say it's going to house 171, 171 fully furnished apartments. Our city really needs to galvanize around these kinds of projects and make sure that, they, that they're easier to do, that we can do them faster, and that we just um, have our eye on exactly uh, how much housing we need to build. Yeah, the city's Housing and Finance Corporation approved $8.5 million for the acquisition and the construction of this project a few years ago. Yeah, and then I, I think there's about a three-year total because uh, you got federal, state, local, state, and federal funding that right. have gone into this, and I think the to three-year total for this project is going to come up to thirty-four, thirty-five million dollars. So you know that's a lot of that's a lot of subsidized housing. It is 171 units, fully furnished. Does that mean 171 people or possibly families? Uh, well, these these are. Uh, Studio apartments, okay. from what I understand. All right, so individuals. So most likely going to be individuals, yeah. Okay. All right. uh, and then they're also going to be offering all kinds of services, you know, wraparound services, things like that, social help. Is this the fix for these people? No. Housing First isn't a fix. Oh, okay. Uh, Gail in Bastrop this morning. Gail, good morning. Thank you, gentlemen. Yes, ma'am. As regards to the homeless people, I was a cor uh, correction officer and the sheriff's deputy from Milwaukee County, these NGOs know how to milk the system. Mm. Oh, they do. They do. It, it's a, well, there's a, it's a big money-making business, too. You no know? doubt about it. The people it. know yeah. how to milk the system. The yeah. people who run the programs know how to milk the system, and we're the ones paying Absolutely. for all of it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's, uh, it's a I, uh, When they shut down the homeless areas, they would just ship them to the jails. Mm. Well, that's not and helping anything. Well, that's, we that's, had to try to be counselor to them and give them their medications, and they would be full of lice and have STDs. Mm. And a lot of these correction officers didn't even know how to deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Listen, uh, you know, when we shut down the mental hospitals in the 80s and the 90s. That's uh, correct. Yeah, our hospitals became the mental, mental institution. Yeah. And the yeah. people that work there don't they, have the training. And they're overwhelmed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, so it's a horrific problem. No, and, and Travis you, County Sheriff. You just got to work with what you know. Yeah. You're right. And try to make it as good as it can be. Yeah. No, good point, Gail. Yeah. The Thanks. Travis County Sheriff kind of backs up what, she, what Gail was saying there. They, they say the Travis County jail is is the central texas largest mental health facility you know? i just so don't they're know. doing a lot of that i just don't know how you can solve a, a you know a homeless problem uh i don't know how you can solve the affordability problem with an open border i just don't understand how you can do that so they just kind of it's just rearranging the furniture on the titanic sure 
6.46 here on the Todd and Oz Show. A major election case hits the Supreme Court today as justices consider if the former president and 2024 Republican frontrunner Donald Trump can be removed from the Colorado primary ballot. The 14th Amendment's insurrection clause has never faced a challenge like this, and how justices on the Supreme Court rule could have a wide-ranging impact on ballot access across the country. Justices agreed to fast-track this case after Colorado's Supreme Court ruled former President Trump committed insurrection on January 6, 2021, and is therefore constitutionally ineligible for the presidency. Maine Secretary of State reached a similar conclusion. Attorneys for the former president are urging the court to put these questions to rest, arguing the 14th Amendment does not apply here, and efforts to boot him off the ballot disenfranchises tens of millions of voters. Mm. In Washington, Jared Halpern, Fox News. All right, now you're up to date. Uh, jump in at 512-836-0590. Melissa is in central Austin this morning. Hey, Melissa. Hi, good morning, everybody. Yeah, what's on your mind? You know, I, what's on my mind is how much we live towards a democratic lifestyle here in the West, in the United States, and wherein, in all of these debates, left, right, Democrat, Republican, mm. is there the acknowledgement that in our Constitution, those who have <clears throat> the power and ability to make changes when something's not going correctly, it's their duty, responsibility to do so. Mm. And I haven't heard any of that kind of topic brought up whatsoever it's all about trump's good or bad or yeah us and them <laughs> where's the unification of hey wait a second the system as we know it our system isn't really working correctly and it's time to actually make a change yeah yeah I, I, i'm with you there's times it's time to make a change i, I got you absolutely it, it, because it feels the people that are in charge right now do not love America. No. Nope. They're trying to dismantle every aspect of what is American, including this open border. And I'm just curious, I'm just curious if if Donald Trump doesn't have immunity, does Joe Biden have immunity? No. How can he? No. If, if yeah, it, good for one person but not for another based on what? And yeah. he's really mandating those Decisions yeah. or items or topics. I, so. To me, uh, you know, uh, allowing an open border is uh, is in the same realm as, uh, you know, treason. Absolutely. Traitor. It, it is treason. Right? It is. He, it, he's completely is, derelict in his much, duties. Yeah. And I wonder how much with and a, a topic came up with conversation of we as Americans aren't having as many children, so we're not, can, you know, bringing productive citizens to establish and support our United States. Mm. How much of allowing the border to be open is to help facilitate that greater population is a curious thought. No, no you're absolutely <laughs> right. So the people that we're allowing into our country, the people that uh, have the ear of our current politicians, they don't abort mm -hmm. their babies. It's true. Yeah. It's very true. Who's taking anybody in? Yeah. 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 Good point, Melissa. Where's the solution the, over the, the complaint? Yeah. No, I hear you. The solution. Yeah, I got you. We, we know the solutions, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, and, a, and a texter just pointed this out uh, when it comes to the, the border crisis. If you cheat getting into college, you go to jail. If you cheat getting into America, you get to go to college. Yeah. That's what the texter says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and giving a whole lot, lot of freebies along with it. Yeah. Listen, uh, on the uh, Fox News broadcast, the story yesterday, they interviewed uh, uh, Border Patrol Chief Jason Owens. 
And, uh, and, and, and talking about this failed border bill, Martha McAllen asking the questions, uh, would this bill have gotten you closer to having operational control of the southern border if Congress had passed, you know, you know, from the get-go on this? And Well, here's that conversation on this border bill. We're charged with a very dangerous mission, and that mission is supposed to be to keep this country and its people safe from those who want to come in and do it harm. And we can't do that job without the support and, uh, and the backing of our partners in Congress. And as long as there's no action coming out of Congress, we're languishing in the same, in, in the same situation. So I don't think there's anybody that says that, uh, that, the, that a bill has to have everything that we need in order for us to, to accept it. That that's why we have compromise. There are definitely aspects of that bill that, that I liked for the agency. And there's aspects of it that of course I didn't. That's always been the case. You know, your, your predecessor testified this before Congress, and it was a pretty stunning moment. Chief Ortiz, does DHS have operational control of our entire border? No, sir. No, sir. You heard his answer. Would this bill have gotten you any closer to having operational control of the southern border if Congress had passed it? In this in this process that started today well first off i want to tell you in in the better part of 28 years i have never seen a situation where i as a law enforcement professional would have said the border is secure it's uh we we need more people we need more agents on the line we they need more force multipliers in the way of technology equipment infrastructure that doesn't just help them do their job better it helps keep them safe there are aspects of this bill that would have added additional hundreds of Border Patrol agents to our rank and file that would have given us more technology, would have given us more uh, equipment and infrastructure. Of course, I'm going to be supportive of that. But do you think it would have helped you to regain operational control? Because what we're seeing now is is a crisis mode that everyone is witnessing. So, you know, when you if you could talk to Congress right now about this, what would you tell them that you that you need? And would you tell them that you're disappointed today in this outcome? I am disappointed, and I, and I would tell them, uh, don't stop. Uh, keep working together and, and come to a consensus that, uh, that helps us keep this country safe. It's important to remember that the, the mission of the Border Patrol is not to process asylum seekers. We, we are dealing with this migrant influx mm -hmm. that really should be uh, applying for entry into the country through an established port of entry. And when they don't do that, what it does is, number one, it puts them in danger because it puts them in the hands of smugglers and cartels who extort uh, from them, they exploit them on a very dangerous dangerous uh, dangerous journey the other thing that it does is it pulls us off of task while we're busy doing this the cartels are taking full advantage of it uh, somewhere else along the border to bring in who knows what and who knows who these are the types of things like fentanyl like uh, other hard narcotics hardened criminals that do represent a danger to our community so as long as we're stuck having to deal with a migrant influx we cannot be out on patrol we're already uh, behind the eight ball when it comes to uh, uh, the adversary having advantage. There you go. Uh, yeah, Border Patrol Chief Jason Owens uh, talking about how the uh, well the uh, the cartels have the advantage. They do. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, with, with with border, just with the border so front and center in, in our issues in America right now. I, I was. Uh, you know, remember Myra Flores, you know, the former, uh, sure. Rep, uh, South she, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The border, yeah. She, uh, she says that we need to bring back DNA testing at the border. What do you mean? She says, even if that means that we have to hold on to children for a lot longer periods of time, uh, she says in the previous administration, you had to do DNA testing. That's why children would stay in custody longer, even though a lot of people criticize it's, you know, we'd rather have them in custody until we're a hundred percent sure that they're going to be with someone that they're related to. Yeah. So if we started DNA testing down there again, uh, and you know, I mean that, that could be. 
uh, it may slow things down a little bit, but I mean, that's just one of like the countless things I think we need to reenact that that was that was and why? done under Trump. And why? To, to protect those kids, those children, to find their parents? I think that's, I mean, I think that's yeah. part of it, yeah. yeah that makes sense. Uh, but I mean, you, could, you, you might end up weeding out some real bad actors as well in the process. That's very possible. You know? People that are wanted for some mm-hmm. kind of crime, that's possible because they've come and gone, that sort of thing. Yeah. If you want to come here, you know, there, there should be very, very, very strict uh, regulations. And, and, you know, if we say you got to jump through 50 hoops, you jump through them, you don't come in. Yeah. I like that. I mean, listen, uh, we hear the reports anywhere at least 85,000 unaccompanied children are lost somewhere in America. Yeah. The, the administration lost track of them. 85,000. So I would assume it's uh, well above 100,000 now, right? It'll probably have to be. Yeah, maybe absolutely. So, maybe more. And, you know, a lot of these kids are, are trafficked, you know, through this porous open border of ours. And still are. Yeah. So something like that, you know, that, that, that could be just another option that they could put back into effect. The remain in Mexico, all these Donald Trump era policies I, I need to go back into effect. The Todd and Oz Show, weekday mornings 5 to 10 on News Radio KLBJ. Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com.